What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 33rd episode of The Roundabout, celebrating 15 years of the Xbox 360. And yes, folks, it's a palindrome episode. Get hyped. My name is Ryan Turford, and this is the show where we're counting down the months to the 15-year anniversary of the Xbox 360, with 50 of the best games to play on the console for both new and experienced owners. We dive into the brief history of each game and talk about what makes them awesome. As always, we'd love your feedback on this show over on Twitter at the Xbox Drive, or you can reach out to me directly anytime at Ryan Turford. On this week's episode, we ascend to the mantle of Chicken Chaser in Fable 2, released on October 21st, 2008. While there was some disappointment with Fable on the original Xbox, Fable 2 had its fair amount of hype leading into its release. While it didn't necessarily live up to the lofty promises of the franchise when it was first announced, Fable 2 is an incredible action RPG, and it's easily one of the best RPGs you can play on the Xbox 360. And it's just one of those things where I actually really liked Fable, the original on the original Xbox. I think that game is incredible still, especially if you go back and play uh, Fable The Lost Chapters, which uh, was later re-released on 360 as part of the part of the anniversary edition of uh, Fable. It added just that extra level of extra content that made the game really awesome and unique. And uh, yeah, it's a game that I think really stood out. I just it gets a bad rap because obviously Peter Molyneux like to talk about all kinds of weird promises with the Fable franchise. He's like, you could plant a seed that would then like grow a tree that would like somehow like alter the events of like the entire game down the road. And obviously you didn't see anything like that happen in Fable. And even in Fable 2, he talked a little bit about stuff you were going to see, but it was never like anything astronomically out of proportion <laughs> like uh, like he did with Fable 1. So it's just one of those things where I personally was super hyped for Fable 2 I know there was kind of mixed type going into it, but definitely once everyone got their hands on it, uh, it was a really special game and it was cool to see kind of people be excited about Fable again as a series uh, when Fable 2 came out. Um, and then going into Fable 3, like people were even more hyped for that game. And unfortunately, it just it was okay. it was really good. It just wasn't uh, as good as Fable 1 or 2, I think. I think it's definitely the weakest of the three, in my personal opinion, anyways. I mean, I could be wrong. You know, I've been wrong before. So, yeah, it's just it was awesome to see uh, Fable 2 come out. And yeah, I loved it. I played it to death when it came out. And uh, yeah, th there's a reason why it's on this list. It wasn't just picked by accident, it, you know. So in Fable 2, in case you haven't played it, you play as Sparrow, an orphan living in the slums of the city of Bowerstone with their sister. And I say there because you can either be a male or a female. You can't really do much character customization in uh, the main menu before the game start. You can uh, alter your character's hairstyle and clothing and stuff as the game progresses, as you earn more hairstyles and stuff like that. But for the most part, you're locked into either a, a guy or a girl and you basically have a preset model for that. After you cobble together a few gold pieces with your sister, the two of you decide to purchase a supposedly magic box that will grant a single wish. And it's from like the uh, the ancient ones they, they are. They refer to it as now after making the wish on the box that they'd love to live in the castle. You and your sister are summoned to the main castle of Bowerstone by Lord Lucius. However, Lucius kills your sister and shoots you. And there's a whole story reason that I'm not going to get into as to why that happens. Now, after you survive the bullet shot, a time skip occurs and now you're all grown up and you're out standing out on a journey of revenge to stop Lord Lucius by traveling down a path of either a hero or a villain. While I wouldn't say that Fable 2's main narrative is top notch or anything like that, I will say it's pretty good overall. Again, main stories are not necessarily Fable's strong suit. Like they're pretty good. They've got some great lore to them um, and they do have some great story beats. Uh, and I say they because I think this criticism kind of goes across all three Fable games in a way. But at the same time, the real story to Fable is not 
the main story. It's the one that you make for yourself and how you shape your character. Will you be the hero that saves people along the way? Or will you be a villain looking out for yourself first and foremost? Or will you be some weird shade of in between? Again, you don't really have to choose one or the other. That's one of the nice things about Fable. It's very gray area and you can choose some evil actions and some good actions if you want to. Fable offers a ton of choice and allows you to be as heroic or as evil as you'd like to be, which in turn plays to how the world views your character, as well as how both main narrative and the game's side missions turn out. I mean, yeah, it has, it gives you a lot of freedom to decide kind of your own character's path. And yeah, like all of those little actions add up to changing some of the side quests. It makes some side quests unavailable to you or um, can change the outcome of the, or the rewards for some of the side quests, or even those side quests can then affect later side quests later on in the game. And likewise, the main story narrative uh, is no slight when it comes to this either. Although it is a little more on the, 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 the linear path with the main story, but a lot of the side stuff, a lot of the, the stuff throughout the world is very different, uh, depending on how the world sees your character. And actually one of the cool things as well is you can, uh, charm people and that can turn, can give you like a fiance or, and get, have you get married and have a kid and have a big family. And that also plays a part in the story as well. If you decide to pursue that. So yeah, I think a lot of that stuff's super cool. It's also very open about relationships as well. Um, we didn't have a lot of that, uh, during this time frame, and, uh, yeah, you can totally have a same sex relationship if you want to, if that's your thing. And uh, yeah, I love the fact that that Fable 2 really offers you a lot of choices when it comes to that stuff, and it doesn't shy away from that stuff. This type of experience wouldn't be as fun if the world of Albion wasn't interesting, but Lionhead crafted a whimsical world that is super fun to explore. Albion is littered with secrets to discover. While there are less areas to explore than the first game, the world of Fable 2 is lovingly crafted with lots of areas for you to explore off the beaten path. For me, Setting a quest marker only to run off the glowing path that it sets for you four to six times per quest was a very common occurrence, and it's a game world that begs to be explored. I mean, yeah, there's just so much to see and do in the world of Albion, and uh, yeah, the, even though, again, it's not, you're not going to a, as many areas as the original Fable, You, I think the areas in this game are just so much more fleshed out. I loved that the developers uh, took that approach this time around rather than giving you more stuff, more areas. Um, they took the areas that they gave you and then just added and crammed in so much more stuff into them. I think uh, it was really cool how, how they uh, developed the world of Albion itself. And it's almost like its own character in the game. Combat also got a much needed upgrade with Fable 2 as well. It's balance of gunplay, melee combat and spellcasting make it a ton of fun to play even today. Similar to Bethesda games, your character will earn additional experience in specific areas depending on the types of attacks you use. For example, if you use more melee combat, you're going to get more melee experience, or likewise the same goes for spells and for ranged attacks. Without character classes, you're kind of a jack-of-all-trades at the start of the experience. You're kind of at the same level across all three, but by the end of the experience, you can really customize your character down by going down a specific path if you want to and really focus, like, let's say, on, on ranged attacks, or you can kind of like mix and match, and it really doesn't put you put any barriers on things. It kind of just gives you the freedom to really choose what, what kind of cool abilities you want to have for your character. You don't really have to do one or two particular things. I really like that about this game. And, and it's the same thing I like about Bethesda's games as well. I think they all do a great job uh, with this type of thing because you also will earn what's referred to as general experience throughout the game as well that you can spend on any one of the three abilities. So even if you use a bunch of melee attacks, you can take that extra general experience and pour it all into spellcasting if you want to. 
Similar to the story choices, one of the best things about Fable 2 and the Fable series in general is just how much freedom it gives you as the player when it comes to almost every facet of the game. Fable 2 also introduces a very good boy offering you a dog companion that joins you throughout your adventures. Your dog helps you find hidden treasure, secret passages, and can even help you in combat if you want to, and you totally grow attached to your dog through over the course of the experience. Plus, you can even pet the dog, which, if that's not enough to get you to check out this game, I don't know what will. I mean, who doesn't like dogs? Come on, they're so adorable. I mean, you could even say the dog is a doggable in this game. See, see what I did there? It's a dog pun. Uh, but yeah, I, I love the inclusion of the dog, and not enough games have dogs, let alone giving you the ability to pet the dog. So it was just so refreshing to see the dog companion in this game, especially because you don't really have any other characters that are in your party or anything like that. You're, it's uh, Fable 2 is very much a, a solo adventure. You can play it in co-op as well, um, and that option is available to you. I think it still works as well. I didn't have a chance to try it out before this podcast, um, but it definitely is an option to play the entire game co-op if you want to, uh, with your dogs if you want to. Uh, but if you, even if you play alone, like I love the fact that your your dogs are constant. It's always with you throughout the entire experience. And yeah, just none of games do that with, with uh, pets, and I think that's super cool. So how well does Fable 2 hold up today? Well, the combat's still really fun, and I still really like the visual look of the game. It really paints a cartoony vision of reality across everything. So it's not trying to be super realistic, but it's also not super cartoony. It's kind of like this nice mix in the middle that, again, I think ages gracefully. It's not super well, but, you know, the the environments themselves, as well as the character models, look a bit David. And revisiting the game, I did run into some technical issues with the game freezing up on both 360 and Xbox One. I tried it in both places, and it's just one of those things where when I played the game originally, this wasn't an issue. Um, basically, whenever I'd play the game for like 20 or 30 minutes, whether I was playing from my disc, because I have the Fable 2 limited edition. Um, so I tried that on my 360 and I had the same problem as I did on the Xbox One version where I downloaded the digital version of the game. And it's just, it's really weird. There must've been some weird patch that was added later on that was causing this issue to happen across both platforms. It's kind of odd. So definitely I wanted to flag it here if you're revisiting it for the first time, obviously, especially in a while. Um, it's something to look out for. Again, the game has manual saves, so as long as you make sure to save often, it's not a huge deal, but obviously it's something uh, to be aware of if you're going to pick up the game today. That said, I don't think any of this really dissuaded me from the game's charm, and I still think the game really holds up well today um, and plays great after all these years. And it's just it's a game that I always expected would age gracefully, uh, both from its visuals and from its gameplay sides and the humor. The humor is still great in the game as well. Um, it, it's a little bit uh, I don't know, it's a little bit silly for my takes because I'm not I don't love silly humor. But definitely, if you're into that type of thing, uh, you're still going to really like Fable. It's still it's got that British charm to it that uh, not a lot of games uh, really have because um, we don't really have a lot of games that are like based around British humor. It's just you have stuff like Monty Python or, or other like British comedies in movies, but or TV, but you don't really have that in games. So it's kind of refreshing to see that in in a mainstream title like Fable 2. Now, if you're looking to pick up Fable 2 today, it's available digitally on Xbox 360 and it's backwards compatible on Xbox One. It's also part of Xbox Game Pass at the time of this recording, so definitely I would imagine that because it's a first-party title, it's probably never going to leave Game Pass. I don't see why it would. Um, so by the time you're listening to this, you can definitely pick it up and play it that way. Also, one of the weird things that my, people might not remember is that when this game originally came to 360 Digital, it came in this weird, like, episodic thing where you basically... Uh, had like the first two hours of the game for free and it was labeled as episode one and then you could buy like the last 
five episodes individually of the game, which were like the different chapters of the experience all kind of like cut up into this weird like episodic mishmash because it didn't start as an episodic game. They turned it into an episodic game for reasons. I don't really know why they did that. Um, but you'll be happy to know that if you do pick it up digitally on 360, that's not the case anymore. Basically, when it came to backwards compat, they basically removed that old option. You're still able to download it, obviously, if you bought it that way. But uh, anyone picking up the game now um, doesn't have to worry about that. Although one thing I will throw out there that uh, not everyone knows, if a game is on Game Pass and it's from 360, you can't play it on a 360. You have to play it on Xbox One. So just be aware that that's a thing. Um, so definitely uh, check it out. Either way, the main thing is play this game. It's still awesome. That's all for this episode of The Roundabout. You can hit me up on Twitter anytime at Ryan Turford. You also find the pants man himself, Sean Capri, on Twitter at Sean Capri, or us on Twitter at the Xbox Drive. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Roundabout, and we out. Bye.